Hey everyone, my name is Dustin Elliott and welcome back to another episode of the Better Questions Better Life podcast, formerly known as the Y2 podcast. Each week I try and answer a simple but important question, how can we ask better questions to live better lives? To do that, I bring you dedicated episodes where I break this question down into bite-sized, thought-provoking and tactical episodes really focused on helping you ask better questions, pulled from industry experts, science, philosophy, as well as my own observations and learnings. I also find and interview a range of industry-leading professionals who all depend on asking good questions in order to achieve their work. So from police detectives, journalists, scientists, medical professionals, qualitative researchers, data scientists, and many more to glean the lessons and techniques they use to successfully do their job and help us ask better questions. As always, I want to take a quick minute and thank the Better Questions, Better Life podcast sponsor, YZ. YZ is an easy-to-use online training software that makes it so simple to create and deliver online learning. The YZ platform is very flexible and you can use it to automate a whole range of tasks in your business from managing all of your employee training, training customers and partners in your products, tracking licenses and qualifications of your staff, creating and selling online courses, capturing more leads with free online courses and so much more. So if any of that sounds even remotely interesting, then I really suggest you jump over to their website at yz.com, that's w-y-z-e-d.com, to check out some videos and even get started with your own 14-day free trial. Remember, if you like these episodes and you want to hear more and you haven't done already, make sure you hit that subscribe button to the Better Questions, Better Life podcast, wherever you find your podcast. The button ain't going to hit itself, so make sure you do that if you like it. And as you hear on every other podcast out there, we love if you can leave us a five-star review if you haven't already. Of course, you can jump over to the website at betterquestionsbetterlife.co where you can find links, resources, soon to be a blog, putting together some really cool projects as well at the moment uh, to help you ask better questions outside of the podcast and all that other good stuff. So make sure you check it out and stay tuned. Of course, you can always join in on the conversation on our Facebook page, Instagram, and the other social media handles. And you're going to find us at Better Questions Better Life. Uh, you can also follow along on social media and because uh, if that if that uh, name's a little too long then we're going to try and dominate the hashtag bqbl so hopefully we're going to blow that up with lots of really cool conversations and uh, again if you want to find us that would probably be the easiest way but with that being said though let's get right into it Today we're going to focus on the two main enemies, barriers, if you will, as to stopping us from asking good questions. And I want to tell you a really quick story that really for me highlighted recently, one of them that uh, we all fall victim, we fall full victim to both of them, but one of them was a really good experience to really highlight not only the, not only the experience of having these barriers come up, but also the consequences, the opportunity that are missed by not being able to ask the right questions questions. So a couple of weeks ago, I was invited to a design thinking workshop held by the wonderful Fiona Triaka and her team at Naked Ambition. And as a quick note, I've actually interviewed Fiona here on the podcast previously in the previous iteration of the podcast. Uh, I'll make sure I include links in the show notes. Um, so if you get an opportunity, uh, I really, really strongly encourage you to check out Fiona's story. She's got just an amazing story. But anyway, back to my story. So we went to this, I went to this design thinking workshop and, and basically the, the backstory goes that we were split into two groups and we were essentially tasked with either designing an experience or designing a product. 
I was a part of the experience team. And part of the process that Fiona and her team took us through was that obviously we had to do research, right? And a key cornerstone of research is asking questions. So we were basically in our groups, we were interviewing the people in the other group to, to learn about their preferences, their buying habits, their all the things that we needed in order to be able to create and, and, and satisfy our brief. So we were all given a, a pretty tight brief of, of what we were looking to obviously do. So off we went and we we're interviewing um, people in the other groups and, and we're having all these conversations and we eventually we get back together and as a group we had interviewed the same group of people and we had the same objective, the same brief. But what was really, really interesting is this, as we had these conversations, it became really, really apparent to me where there might have been a line of questioning I was going down, but then I stopped and I might have gone somewhere else. And cross-referencing everybody, we were able to, I, I believe, triangulate to, to get the right information, but it highlighted for me a few phenomenon which crop up, which stop us from asking good questions. And the major one and the one I want to first start to talk about is cognitive biases. Now, you probably know what cognitive biases are. Um, there's a ton of research out there and a lot of more eloquent, lots smarter people spend their whole lives thinking and talking about this. So, so I really encourage you to, uh, to, to check it out. But basically, the TDLR is cognitive biases are essentially algorithms that are deep embedded in our brain that we're really not always aware of. And they effectively allow change how we uh, look for information, understand information, and recall information. And it's this algorithm that's always constantly running in the background. So as we're interpreting information, analyzing that and recalling that to be able to ask questions, it's always running in the background. And specifically, the way one of the common phenomenons of cognitive biases is, is what I've sort of branded this autofill process that our brains deliver. So happens to us all the time. I'll give some more examples in a moment. But basically, even in my conversations when I was going through these questions to understand somebody's buying habits and backgrounds, is they would maybe tell me an answer and I found myself quite often autofilling it. Um, I wouldn't necessarily maybe follow up with a, a question because I would, my brain would go, no, we got this. I'm just going to solve that for you. You don't have to answer. You can move on to the next thing. And it's something we're all victim to. Now, obviously you weren't as a part of this, uh, a part of this wonderful event. I strongly encourage you to check it out. Links as well in the show notes too. But I wanna put a couple other scenarios to you. Something that happens to all of us every single day, which highlights this phenomenon and the next phenomenon I wanna talk about. So let me ask you, last time you were driving or riding your bike or walking even, and somebody cut you off, what did you think? What did you feel? What did you do? What about um, maybe recently you sent a message to a friend, right? Facebook, WhatsApp, text, however it might be. And that little red icon, like they'd, they'd seen it, they'd received it or whatever, you know, popped up, but they never got back to you. What did you think? What did you feel? What did you do? Or maybe recently you received a, a short, sharp email, maybe a little bit abrupt from a, a colleague or a client or a boss. What did you think? What did you do? What did you feel? You see, what happens in life is we are faced with ambiguity in every single thing we do. And common situations like we talked about here have ambiguity 
permeating through. We don't know why that person cut us off. We don't know why that person didn't text us back and we don't necessarily know why maybe that person emailed us. Maybe we do, but we maybe don't. The problem is, is between cognitive biases and dealing with ambiguity or inability to deal with ambiguity, our brain is very much wired and trying to help us deal with both of these circumstances and situations. But more often than not, what happens is, is between either the uh, autofill I talked about, cognitive bias or what have you, our brain has a tendency to try to fill these things in or recall information. And that effectively stops us from leading with curiosity. So when that person pulled up in front of us, they might have laid on the horn and maybe flipped him the bird or something like that, whatever we might have done. Or maybe that person that didn't respond back to us, maybe you sent them a rude email or a text message or something like that, or just ghosted them or whatever we do. We don't really know what's going on happening in those lives. Maybe that, maybe that person that cut us off is rushing to a job interview that they so desperately need to get to because they're a, a single father of three or a single mother of three. Or maybe that friend is, is going through some stuff right now. Maybe they're not in the best place and they just didn't really have the ability to respond back to us. Or maybe that colleague or client or boss that sent us that email, maybe they've gone through some problems we don't know about. Maybe they've had a fight with their partner or you know, maybe just a little bit of low blood sugar and they just probably should have put that email together, but they had to, right? The problem is, is situations like this happen all the time. And within this cognitive biases and the ambiguity, effectively we autofill it. We come up with reasons or conclusions as to why or recall the information in certain ways. And both of these things stop us from leading with curiosity. We don't try, or we might try, but more often we're blocked from leading with curiosity because of these particular situations. And more often than not, it actually leads to self-fulfilling prophecy. So we might flip the person off, give the horn, or like I said, and, and maybe they do the same and we go, see, that person is an a-hole or something like that. That self-fulfilling prophecy that maybe we led with. But it stops us from leading curiosity to be able to try and understand and be able to react to those circumstances as they're actually happening, as they actually are, not as we recall or believe that maybe they are. Now, there's a lot to unpack here. There's a lot between how to deal with ambiguity and cognitive biases. And like I said, we're gonna go through these in a lot more detail over the next coming weeks. But I really wanna to start to talk about these two main barriers and enemies to uh, that stop us from asking good questions. But on that as well too, I wanna to leave you with a few strategies and a homework assignment on how to start dealing with this. So I think one of the most important things, and maybe I'm just telling you more to tell myself, is don't be too hard on yourself. All right, um, these are this these psychology uh, psychological uh, factors are are baked into our psychology. So quite often than not, we're not even aware that they're running. But one of the things you can do as you're doing right now is just becoming aware of them, just acknowledging that they exist, and begin to try to catch yourself as you catch them. The second thing, and something I'm going to go into a lot more detail about, is really also looking at developing a mindfulness practice. Something also I've talked a lot about previous in the podcast, and something that personally has helped me uh, absolutely an unbelievable amount, more than I can describe, not only to help me ask better questions, but a variety of other factors. But mindfulness, for me at least, gives me a gap between the input and the reaction. So before I react, before I lay on the horn, it gives me a second to go, okay, well, hang on a sec, let me hold up. Why did that person cut me off? Maybe I cut them off a few moments ago and now they're just cutting me off. Or maybe I haven't maybe I've haven't responded back to that friend in a while. Or maybe I did do something. And there's a reason why that email was maybe short and sharp and maybe a, a little bit abrupt kind of thing. But it gives me the ability 
before I react, before I come to my conclusion, but to, to develop some self-awareness and to cultivate that uh, mindfulness as to what exactly is happening and to not react emotionally, but try to react a little bit more intellectually and obviously being able to ask better questions. The next thing I certainly encourage you to do, sort of coming off the back of the first two, is to reflect on your conversations as well. So obviously, when we have conversations, they're they're incredibly emotionally taxing, cognitively taxing rather. So I, I'm not, I'm definitely not naive to think that we're deep in these conversations and we're thinking about what the person's saying and what we're gonna say, and you know, making sure we don't miss our one o'clock meeting, or or you know, being a bit hungry, or wondering if the dog's pooping on the carpet, or something like that. We've got all these things going on. So quite often it's easy to sort of fall out of that and have these cognitive biases and our, obviously our brain, how it deals with ambiguity, wherever you fall in terms of your comfort of ambiguity, but those things might come up to obviously try to help release the cognitive load. So as much as you can to be aware of that in conversations, but at the same time, also after you've had a conversation or an interaction like that, taking an opportunity to just self-reflect on that, to try to see the signs of either where ambiguity popped up and your brain auto-filled it or necessarily maybe where a cognitive biases might have been at play. Maybe the conclusions you came to and you came away from that conversation, just questioning exactly how you came to them to make sure that was it actually something they said, uh, something they meant, or is it something that we interpreted and therefore uh, might have autofilled part of that in. And that kind of leads me to my homework assignment I want to leave you with you today. So like I said, we're going to go through a lot of this in a lot more detail, um, but I want to just introduce these two main enemies and these two barriers. But you have a little bit of homework for yourself is just to do exactly what I said over the next week. Now, it's not going to be every conversation. I know that. But as often as you can, where appropriate, after a conversation, and it doesn't it doesn't matter who it's with. It could be with your kid. It might even be with your dog. <laughs> Probably not your dog. But uh, it could be with your parents. It could be with a colleague. It could be with a friend. It could be with a stranger. Whatever it might be. Just take a moment uh, with a Google Doc or a pad of paper or something like that and just maybe self-reflect on that conversation. What did you think? What did you feel? What did you do? Why did you come to those conclusions? What were the responses and information you got? And maybe trying to backtrack back a little bit to it as to why they said or what they said and reflecting on, again, if there's a cognitive biases at play as well as is it your brain trying to deal with ambiguity or are you actually asking the questions in that? But with that being said, I'll leave it at that for today. Again, uh, later up this week, we feature the wonderful Millie, who's a multifunctional designer. Uh, she basically works with businesses who are looking to create digital products. Uh, really, really interesting. And Millie also teaches uh, a lot of UX and UI design as well too. So she has an amazing ability to take these concepts and really break them down into practical, tactical approaches. So make sure if you haven't already subscribed to that, check that out coming up later this week. As always, I'm Dustin Elliott, and I'll speak to you soon. Hey everyone, thank you so much again for listening to today's episode. Just remember, if you want to join in on the conversation, make sure you jump over to the social media handles. You're going to find us at Better Questions, Better Life on Facebook, Instagram, BQBL underscore on the Twitter. Of course, you can make sure you jump into the hashtag BQBL. Of course, you can check out our website at betterquestionsbetterlife.co. And I obviously, I want to take a quick minute again and thank our sponsor, YZ. Make sure you get started with your own 14-day free trial at yz.com. That's W-Y-Z-E-D.com. With that being said, speak to you next time.